I want to start off with a story somewhat is related to Hawaii Beach, California, Gary. A group of people went out one day, small group, to stroll the beaches of California. They came across a whale that was dead, had beached itself. The small group of people, um, excited of what they've discovered, one of those guys in the group was a gymnast. And he goes, hey, how cool would it be if I run, jump, do a backflip off this whale? The small group of people said, yeah, we'd love to see it. Sounds good. So the gymnast started running, 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 jumped, went to push off of this whale, which was decaying and beached and dead and submerged himself completely into this whale. His small group of friends, well, where'd he go? He's gone. Out the side, their buddy pops out, completely covered in maggots. When he jumped in, mouth open, fights his way out the side of the whale, spitting maggots out, completely covered, runs into the ocean, gets cleaned off. The moral of the story is, is simple. Don't do backflips off beached whales. But this morning, I want to be somebody in that group who says, oh, hey, well, hold up. Not a good idea. This morning for you, I want to be a friend who tells you to maybe look out, caution. What you're about to do might not be in good intentions. Intentions may be good, but the outcome might not be good. This morning, we're going to be looking at a sin, and I want to warn us about this sin. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to James chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, please look on with somebody next to you. If they don't have a Bible, um, you can just listen to the soothing voice as I read. James chapter 2, we're going to knock out the first four verses right now. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention, if you pay attention to the one wearing the finer clothing and say, you, sit here in a good place. And while you say to the poor man, you, stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This morning we're going to look at the sin of partiality, favoritism, acting in a biased manner. Partiality is defined as an unfair preference for one person over another. This morning in our text, we see James highlighting that with a very easy visual story for us to grasp. Two men enter a church, two men enter an assembly, one looking sharp and, and one look, looking shagged. But yet, shagged isn't the right word, was it? <laughs> Shabby. I knew it didn't sound right, but then I listened and I heard a couple people talking. <clears throat> and so in our text, we see one 
had the, the finer apparel and the other not so much. And so one who appears rich was treated better than one who appeared to be poor. James is saying it's wrong. In fact, we're going to read this morning, he's going to say it's sinfully wrong to treat someone differently based off of his or her rank, his or her wealth, or his or her apparel. I think most of us would agree with this statement. The eyes of man are quick to size up another. My youngest sister is getting married this summer and and so when uh, we realized, my older brother and I realized that she was getting serious with this guy, we, we had to size the punk up. We had to say, is this guy legit? Is he real? And so as they were getting serious, we began to get a little bit more serious about this guy. You know, the classic, is he into sports? Is he a beaver or a duck fan? You know, these classic things we do to size people up. Is he going to treat our sister well? The eyes of man are quick to size up others. I don't know about you, but I often struggle with walking around and instantly judging, instantly making assumptions on other people. I think we all probably have that, that struggle to judge them, to assume, to show someone more favoritism over somebody else. So the question we want to wrestle with first this morning is why is showing no partiality so difficult for us? Why do we so often operate in the realm of bias? Why do we hang out there? Why do we look and treat other people with this favoritism? Why is it so hard not to show partiality? Well, one of the reasons is because we are treated And we view others based on our own understanding. If you're taking notes this morning, point number one is we see with human eyes. You and I cannot not see with human eyes. And so we see people as they probably are seeing us with these fleshly, sinful eyes. We see status, we see wealth, and we see apparel. If it wasn't the case, Paris Hilton wouldn't be on my TV. She's got the status. She's got wealth. And oftentimes she wears something that is actually could be called apparel, clothing. But yet, we as a society are drawn to the status, the wealth, the what have you. Let's look back at James chapter 4. Sorry, James chapter 2. I'm going to reread verse 4 this morning. Says you, or says, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? And then the first sentence of verse 6, but you have dishonored the poor man. And so James is telling us, then you, we, we have made these distinctions. We have cast judgment on people. We have placed ourselves in a place of judgment when we, in fact, shouldn't. 
We, in fact, aren't called to judge one another. We have made distinctions, becoming judges, all with our eyes of evil. Jeremiah chapter 17 is one of my favorite chapters of the entire Bible. It's, in fact, the first chapter I ever really taught on years and years ago. And so if you're taking notes, I encourage you, jot down Jeremiah chapter 17. Check it out this week in your quiet times, in your devotions. But verse 9 in Jeremiah 17 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And so again, we see with human eyes, we see deceitful. We see with evil. This is how we in our flesh operate. We're ruling in an area, as I said earlier, which we should not rule in. God is the judge. God is the ruler. How can we stand in place of God and rule and make judgments and act bias in, on his own creation? Who do we think we are to take God off of the throne, put ourselves there and cast judgment on something he's created? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It would be like the CEOs of Nike stepping down and putting third graders in their place and saying, you, you guys, you, you gals, you, you run the company. It doesn't work that way. God is the judge, and God alone should judge. By showing partiality and treating somebody better than others, we're coming in and we're, we're showing them, we're treating them differently and not hitting that mark. We're ruling in an area that we have not created, nor should we ever desire to create. And so maybe you're like me, and maybe you struggle with showing partiality. Maybe you, like, you, you have best friends, and then you just have friends, and you try to treat your best friends better. And so I want to remind us back when God created us. Do you remember what he used? He used dust. He used dirt to create humans. Don't think that you are a better pile of dirt than the next pile of dirt. <laughs> Don't view somebody else as a better piece or lump or clump of dirt. We're all made up of the same elements. We're all equal in our ability as far as being created by God. Now we have different gifts, we have different strengths, we have different abilities, but when we're looking at another person, we need to remember that they're a pile of dirt just as much as I'm a pile of dirt. And I shouldn't treat them better and I shouldn't treat someone worse, but we're all even, we're all equal. That's the way God made us. That was his design. He didn't come and, and take, you know, a little special, you know, some, oh, you get a little special piece of this star, and I'm going to take a chunk of the moon to create you, and ooh, you're here, and yeah, you, yeah you're just a part of my toenail. I made you out of my toenail, and that's not how God did it. He grabbed a handful of dirt, and he goes, my people whom I love, whom I've created, 
are dirtbags. <laughs> and that's what we are. And so we shouldn't treat people better as if their dirt is better or if their dirt is holier, but we should give people grace and we should give people forgiveness and we should strive to understand where people are coming from. And so may we see our dirt eyes as one pile of dirt equal to the next pile of dirt. If you show partiality, as James will say, is you are committing sin. So point number one is we see with human eyes. We see everybody with these evil, wicked eyes. And we cast judgment with evil, wicked eyes. That's our flesh. And we know that. And I think that's why we love God all the more. Because he gives us beauty. God gives us love, and he's able to tweak that and work that flesh, that evil, that wickedness. And so we begin to see his beauty. We get to see the beauty that he's created in other people, and hopefully no longer showing that partiality. The second point, if you're taking notes, is what is the cure for showing partiality? I'd be a poor pastor just to stop here and just say, done. Good luck with that. But no, what's the cure? How do we get past this sinful state of showing partiality? And so what is the cure for practicing partiality? Well, as I was wrestling with this this week, I came to the conclusion that partiality is the lack of expressing love. Partiality is the lack of expressing love. And remember, love is God-created. I'm not talking about, oh, I love ice cream and I love my puppy and I love my wife. I'm talking about that love that God calls to show people. And so when we show partiality, we have subtracted out that love. So you could say partiality is the lack of expressing God's love to someone. And if you think about it, our God has never shown us a lack of love. God doesn't just talk about how much he loves us. He shows us. He says, I will walk with you every day, every step. Seek me and you'll find me. And then we say, God, I'm a sinner. I need help. My sins are are, are huge. And he sent his son to die for us. God doesn't just talk a big love game. He shows a big love game. And so God never shows us a lack of love, nor should we show others a lack of love. Let's continue on in James. Let's go to verse 8 of chapter 2. James 8, James 2, 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, which state, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But, verse 9, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are, con- and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So to show sin, or excuse me, to show partiality is to show sin, is to act in a sinful way. And if you've acted, if you've sinned once, 
you're accountable for the whole law. And so we need to purge this partiality from our lives today. We need to look at that whale and say, no, not a good idea. Hold back. Don't do this. Stop conducting in a sinful way. And so verse 8, again, if you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you do that, as it states there in Leviticus 19, 18, if you do that, if you can show equal love, you're doing well. You're walking the walk. You're holding the faith. In Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, Peter is quoted. says here, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter says, I've walked with the Lord. I've placed my faith in the Lord. I live my life for the Lord. And I have come to the conclusion that God shows no partiality. So if God, our creator, if God, our example setter, shows no partiality, then we fall into sin when we act in a biased or favoritism way. We view, check this out, we view and judge with detachment, with our own interests in mind. God operates intimately. We stand back and we cast judgment. Well, he drives this car, so he must be so, so, and so. Well, she lives, or they live in that house, so they must be this, this, and this. He wears flip-flops when he teaches, so he must be this, this, and this. We cast judgment. God doesn't do that. We ask the question, what can I gain if I treat this person good? Just as James said there, is the, the poor man and the rich man come in. And we take that rich man and we say, well, I'm going I'm to talk to him a little bit more. I'm going to show her a little bit more favoritism in this situation. And we kick the poor person to the floor. That doesn't please the Lord. He sees us the same. It breaks his heart. And when we show people partiality, that's not how God sees us. Again, to show bias is to remove love. God is able to see us all the same because he loves us all the same. I have three daughters and they are constantly at that age and maybe they'll always be, but they're constantly at that age. Dad, who do you love more? Dad, do you love me more because I cleaned my room the first time you asked me? They're constantly, who, who do you love more? And my question is obviously Mia, the middle one. No, I'm just joking. I always tell them, I love you all the same. You're my favorite six-year-old. You're my favorite five-year-old. You're my favorite three-year-old. I love you guys all the same. There's, there's no difference here. And they don't grasp that yet, but hopefully maybe one day they will and maybe they won't. All I know is I just continue to show no bias, no partiality to them. But God is able to love us all the same. God is able to show no partiality to us because his love for us is all the same. Do you grasp that about God? Do you understand that about God? That he loves you just as much as he loves the person to your right and to your left. 
he loves you just the same. What he's doing for the person to your right, he wants to do for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be intimately involved with your life. So why isn't he? It's because sometimes our dirt gets in the way. Sometimes we jump into the whale. Because we're not walking with him. We're not listening to him. We're not seeking him. And it's us that's hindering him from being real in our lives. Our greatest hope in this endeavor of showing no partiality in curing this sinful disease that we do of judging and showing partiality, our greatest hope in this endeavor is to, as verse 8 said, love our neighbor as ourself. And let's be honest, we sure know how to love ourselves. We sure know how to treat ourselves well. We sure know what we like. And we know how we expect to be treated. But are we showing that? And are we treating others with that same respect? With that same love? Do they deserve it? Do you deserve it? It's hard. But yet it's what God calls us to do. Here's the challenge I want to give you this week. The challenge is, can we make others feel the same love? That we feel from God. I'm gonna challenge you to do that this week. Challenge you to go out and find a coworker, find a family member, find a stranger, and say, you know what? As I've spent time with the Lord this week, God has shown me his forgiveness. Does my wife experience forgiveness through how I treat her or talk to her? Does my coworker experience the forgiveness that I am experiencing from God? As we strive to love our neighbors as ourselves, That's the challenge. Where do we start? Well, the starting point is this. In God's economy, we're not customers. We're children. That's where we have to start. We need to realize that we're all his children. And we need to stop looking and treating other people like customers. But treat them like children. His children. Beloved. By him. Beloved by him. In God's economy, we're not customers. Don't view your customers as customers. View them as God's children. I want to speak at you real quick in three areas as we get a little bit relevant here in your life this week. Three areas to maybe think on. Area number, area number one is at work. Are you showing partiality at work? Do you treat your boss differently than you treat the intern? Now, I understand that there's different, there's different roles, and there's people that answer to you, possibly, and there's people that you answer to. But my point is this, by showing partiality or not showing partiality, we need to treat, we need to view everybody the same. And so do you treat your boss the same way you treat your coworker? Maybe you're the boss here this morning. Do you treat all your employees the same? Or do you have your favorites and do your favorites know that, they're your, that you're their favorites? And so you treat them differently. 
Or what about in a relationship? Maybe there's some couples that you just really enjoy more than other couples. Now, I'm not saying we have to go vacation with everybody. But I'm saying, do you treat other couples worse than you treat your favorite couples? Is there partiality? Now, I know there's just certain people you click with better. You get along with better. You're on the same page. I I understand that. But the point is, do those other people that aren't on your page, do they feel God's love? Do they feel second class in your economy? Or what about at home? Is there partiality with the kids? Is there partiality with siblings? The final thing I wanted to talk on this morning is what's to gain? What do we get to leave here? What do we get to gain with by showing no partiality? What's to gain? Well, if you have your Bibles again, let's go to Luke chapter 20 and wrap it up this morning. Luke 20. Jesus is in question here. I'm going to start at verse 20. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere and they, that they might catch him, him being Jesus, in something he said. So as to deliver him up to the authorities and jurisdiction of the government. 21, so they asked him, teacher, we know that you speak in truth rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Did you catch it? Did you catch what's to gain by showing no partiality? Again, verse 21, so they, so they asked him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God by acting without partiality we can show others the ways of god equality god desires that everybody feels his love that everybody knows he loves them the same when you and i show partiality we're taking away god's love from that person and we're not treating them as they should be treated. By acting without partiality, we can show others the ways of God. And the way of God is equality. God's love is equal to all. And we know that because God sent his son to die for us all. That's the common denominator between all of us is that God's love is specific, God's love is passionate, God's love is real, not just for you, but for everybody else you come in contact with. And so can we go out and show no partiality until the day we die? Realistically, probably not. But is it something we can work on? Is it something we can strive not to do? I think it is. I definitely think it's one of those sins 
that we can remind ourselves. And if we've committed it, we can go and ask for forgiveness to that person. And we can better our walk. We can better our relationship with God by being proactive in that area. By spending that quality time with God. To say, God, I know how you love me. And I appreciate it. But now I need to go out and show others that love. And not be biased towards them. And not judge them. And I think as Christians, that's a hard line to balance. And I've come to the conclusion that it goes something like this. We're called to love them. God's called to judge them. And so I want to be known for somebody who errs on just loving and loving and loving and loving them. Now, in loving them, I need to speak truthfully. In loving somebody, I need to grab them and say, listen, backflip whale, not a good idea. Don't do it. I heard a story once at church about a guy who did that. And so we do need, out of love, grab people and say, listen, that lifestyle, that choice, walking with that bitterness or not willing to forgive that person, that's not good. And I'm not trying to judge you because I know I've got my own issues, but I want to love you because I care for you. Does that make sense? Yeah? Last thought, as we walk without partiality, others will experience the great love of God, their creator. They'll experience it. They'll see it. They'll say, you treat me differently. You look at me differently. You don't respond as all those other people respond. I think that's huge. I think God desires us to speak truthfully in people's lives to have an overshadow of love and compassion and let God judge them. He's way better at it. Let's close with a word of prayer and then uh, Amanda will come up and do an offertorial song for us. Father, we bow our heads, we bow our hearts before you simply because you deserve it. You deserve our love. You deserve our attention. God, you deserve our hearts. Lord, you've done nothing but love us. God, you've done nothing but show us grace and kindness. Lord, you walk with us. You desire to spend time with us. Lord, I pray this week we will be challenged to go out and see people as you see them. And to fight through our eyes of perspective. And show love. And show grace. Lord, if we have tasted of you and have found that you are good. Lord, let us show your goodness to others. Let us be real and not weak. Let us hunger for you. As you hunger and thirst for us. And God, we thank you that you desire us to be filled with joy and peace 
Lord, you want us to enjoy the life you've given us. And so, Lord, what better way to enjoy life than to walk with our Creator, loving on the people around us. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for James and his heart and his perspective. God, you're so good to us, and we thank you, Lord. Amen.